Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family. We got Gonzo, also known as Super G, joining us this morning. Jackie, the crypto juggernaut, and NFT Tones is in the building to replace the Italian stallion, so I'm very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how with Tether possibly on the brink of collapse, their, to- their co-founder took the time to address the public, stating there's no need to be transparent because this project withstood the test of time. Mark Yusko says Cardano and SRP are disliked by users, as Quant Network CEO says they're setting the standards for the crypto industry by working with governments throughout this realm. The SBF media campaign continued yesterday, showing the world how corrupt the financial markets are behind the scenes. And crypto Twitter is drawing wild speculation about the true price of XRP, claiming private ledgers have an entirely separate value. We expose the truth as a lead Ripple developer explains exactly what's happening on the XRPL. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, I always say the pressure is on whoever has to replace Johnny Crypto, and it's on you this morning, my friend. Thank you for being here. Always excited to have you on. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm usually not on Fridays, but I know Johnny's under the weather, so sending you healing vibrations and love, Johnny, and so uh, stepping in. But yeah, it's going to be a great show. Yesterday was was very interesting. Uh, I got to listen to some of the the uh, most of the Twitter spaces uh, with SBF and Mario and Crypto Banter. So I know we're going to talk about that, but very, very interesting uh, uh, SPF. And we're going to dive into it today. Is it an act or is he just a weird guy? NFT Tones, we're going to save that for later in the episode. How you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. I'm feeling fantastic. I'm glad to be here. I just want to say I am excited for what we have coming up because it has been an exciting week with everything going on. I, I just I can't wait to dive right into it. Jackie, it's definitely been an exciting week for GMC, but it's also been an exciting week for you. Happy belated birthday. Thank you for being here. How are you feeling, Jackie? Thank you, guys. I feel so great. Um, I just, freak, I just got to shout out the entire family at 3T. I really love them. Uh, They make me feel special. So I really, really appreciate you guys, especially my team, man. I freaking love you guys. It's been like a a roller coaster of a week for me. Um, I don't know if I can take any more, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, It's been good. And glad to be here. Jackie, one of the good things is that you're not living in Europe, so you didn't invest in FTX. That's a little positive news for you, but we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin fear and greed index is in moderate fear this morning, sitting in a 27. And when we look at the daily movers, nothing really worth addressing. We got Polkadot up 5%, Man up 45 and Hex is up almost 13% on the day. Shout out to Johnny Crypto, Filecoin up nearly 4%. 
The total coin market cap is sitting at $854 billion this morning. Bitcoin is 38% dominance. Ethereum is about 18%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 16900 Ethereum is 1200 XRP is 38 cents. Polygon has been one of the strongest performing coins during this bear market, up 9% on the seven day at 91 cents. And let's see what Quant's doing. Quant is up 11% on the seven day, sitting at $125. Gonzo, I know we only got you for a little while here, so I'm kicking it right to you, my friend. When we talk about Sam Bankman Freed, the interview yesterday was eye opening to say the least. I'd love to just give you the floor. I know you listened to the spaces that they had. What were some of the things you took away from that interview? Yeah. So, what I took away from it, it like, he is just a master manipulator. We were talking about this earlier. Like you have this kid that went to MIT. He has a math degree. He went all to all these press schools. You know, you, I can see, I can visualize how he was able to manipulate all these people. You had like these hedge funds like Sequoia, DCG. They gave him all this money, right? And now all of a sudden when it all falls apart, now when you see him talking, right? He doesn't know. He doesn't remember. Um, I think he's very good at reading a room and playing um, on people's emotions, right? And so when people ask him direct questions and they don't get their answers and he does the ah shucks things, they get very frustrated and he kind of gets them off their game. Um, from what I've seen, I, I thought they did a good job of asking some good questions on the Twitter spaces. Um, but I, I think, and they made a comment about this at the end, is they need to have somebody in the room that can match his technical level, right? So they can call the BS meter, right? Because he likes to use big words, the way he was explaining how FTX was set up as far as like the one for one backing. And basically it's a derivatives and futures exchange. And then just kind of just trying to confuse the whole situation. But to me, what it seems like he's doing is the narrative that he's telling is that he's gonna throw Alameda research under the bus, right? He made comments that, well, you know, I wasn't really in charge of Alameda. I hadn't been in charge for a couple of years. Um, and I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on. They were just like kind of mistakes. Bullshit, right? Alameda Research is across the parking lot to where your headquarters is. You're dating the CEO. You're going to tell me you had no idea what was going on there. So he does a lot of that. And But to me, it just feels like a master manipulator. And he just plays on people. Thank you so much, Gonzo. And I think that's a perfect time to transition into our first video for today. As Sam Bankman-Fried actually took the time to do an interview with Good Morning America and revealed a lot about what was taking place behind the scenes. We're going to skip to a short, a couple of clips within this video, and then we'll move right on past this plot into the XRP content for today. Before we do that, we get 162 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I'm sorry about the scary face on the screen. I'm going to let this video play. Here we go. A lot of people look at you and see Bernie Madoff. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's who I am at, at all, but I understand why they're saying that. People lost money and people lost a lot of money. And I mean, at the end of the day, look, there's a question of what happened and why and who did what, um, what caused the, the meltdown. And I think that is reads very differently, right? When you when you look at the classic Bernie Madoff story, there was no real business there. The whole thing, as I understand it, I think was was just one one big Ponzi scheme, right? FTX that was a real business. He was at the top of the cryptocurrency so world. We can debate what what FTX was actually doing behind the scenes. Gonzo and Jackie, I'd love to just give you the floor, but he does make an interesting point. What Bernie Madoff was doing was literally a Ponzi scheme, was not generating revenue, as opposed to what FTX was doing. They had a solid business model until he stole money. So if he didn't steal money, FTX would still be operating today. Jackie, let's start with you, and then we'll kick it to Gonzo. Well, I, um, I mean, I don't completely agree with what he said at all because – not only that, uh, he was also using a ton of leverage. I mean, the, the whole system was literally um, a Ponzi scheme as well. I mean, yeah, I, I understand that they did have things set up as far as businesses and they had, um, gosh, I mean, they had something that looked good, right? Or else they wouldn't have had so many people jumping in as far as as far as investors, venture capitalists, as far as, um, you know, even the people that they had to be the face of the companies and, and marketing and things like that. I mean, they had such a good thing going. That's why it was so shocking. But 100 um, percent, all the all the leverage that was used. I mean, that was the start of the, you know, of the fall there. So I 
I mean, anytime anyone's using leverage and they're they're fluffing up money that's not real um, or, you know, continuing to build off of that, uh, that's that's where the problem begins. And that, you know, I believe that that's where the downfall of, of his company and, and the sister companies were because they were playing off of each other. I mean, none of it was real. Gonzo, and he even admitted that they were illegally transferring funds to Almeida. Now, he didn't say they were illegally doing it, but he caught himself in a little wordplay there. And as you can see, Jackie pointed out something fantastic, which is all of the celebrities that were promoting this project. Tom Brady, Giselle, Steph Curry, the list goes on and on, and a few of them were displayed in this video. But there is a clip I want to play from minute 137 to minute 355 within this clip. And then we're going right back to you, Gonzo, because I think it is very telling what was going on. But has not heard back. One of the reasons FTX went bankrupt is because FTX deposits yep. were used to pay Alameda's creditors. Carolyn Ellison said you knew about that. Is that true? You know, best I can tell, uh, Alameda did have a big position open on, on FTX. Um, that position, uh, I think, was you know very over collateralized uh, a year ago. There is a, a total market collapse and, you know, specifically a large correlated collapse in its assets, you know, over the last month and to some extent over the last year that I, uh, you know, threatened that position quite a bit. So I'd just like to point out, Gonzo, before I kick it to you, that FTX was actually only leveraged enough to sustain a 30% drawdown within the market. This market has done a 95% regression across the board. And even when you look at projects like Bitcoin, they're down over 80% on the yearly chart. So within this article, he basically states they were only anticipating a 30% bear market before their leverage contracts were going to be liquidated. And that was a big issue that they ran into. But I do want to let this clip play. And then we're going back to you, Gonzo. And I think that's, you know, as best I understand, a lot of what happened there. I, I am no cryptocurrency expert. I'm no finance expert. Yep. But I don't think you answered my question. I always ask, yep. did you know that FTX deposits were used to pay off Alameda creditors? Uh, I don't know of FTX deposits being used to pay off Alameda creditors. Are you... I. Uh, which, which creditors are you referring to? Carolyn Ellison said that you all knew that these funds were used, were put into Alameda. They were the funds owned by your depositors. So I can't speak for who knew what. You know, a lot of the customers on FTX did have, you know, borrowers either, you know, in dollars or Bitcoin or, or euros. But as you know, the FTX terms of service yep. tell the people who signed up, None of the digital assets in your account are the property of or shall be or may be loaned to FTX trading. But you're saying that happened. My understanding is a few things happen. The first is there is a margin trading facility on FTX by which users can lend out funds by which other users borrow funds. And so there are explicit cases where there is, you know, margin extend where there is borrow lending. If yep. Alameda is borrowing the money that belongs yep. to FTX depositors, that's a bright red line, isn't it? Gonzo, that's a longer video, but I wanted to play that whole thing yeah. for our listeners. I'm just going to give you the floor. He revealed a lot about the relationship between FTX and Almeida and even tried to play into a character. I'm not sure what the heck was going on there. He was talking to himself for about 15 seconds, but it was definitely unusual. I'd like to get some of your thoughts. What the heck is going on in this interview? Yeah. So, you know, that's where he deflects, right? Where he asks a question and then he takes it apart and he says he doesn't understand. Like uh, there was a big thing on the Twitter spaces where they were talking about a certain amount of money, $10 billion. He had just referenced the $10 billion. And then when they bring it up again, he goes, what $10 billion? And they were like the $10 billion we were just talking about. So it's almost like Abbott and Costello, uh, 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 Abbott and Costello, where who's on first, who's on second, you know, that whole thing. That's kind of the thing that he does. Um, but the real key is, and where, when they do these interviews where they need to lock him down and get him. And they tried to do that in the Twitter spaces. And I think they were a little bit successful is how he describes how FTX was set up with the one for one backing. And then that key component, which is what he was just talking about, how some people, the terms of service put money into FTX with the expectation that it was going to be loaned out, right? It could be used for leverage and all kinds of different things. And then there's other aspects as a completely separate account, right? That should not be touched. And what happened was it was all one big mound of money, right? And so Alameda Research had the ability to go in there 
and this lead collateral, which was the FTT token, which wasn't valued really at anything, right? So they got FTT from FTX, gave it to Alameda. Then Alameda used that same FTT token to pull out real assets, real money, real Bitcoin, whatever that was, right? And then use it to do other things with. So then what he's talking about with that 30% drawdown is when the price of FTT starts to drop, Alameda should get liquidated and they didn't, right? Because it's all kind of a Ponzi. And so he does this, um, he plays that word salad game. Um, but when you hear like when the Twitter spaces was going on and um, Jesse from Kraken um, heard his explanation of how FTX is a derivatives market and how it's set up, he kind of debunked that and gave the kind of the real scoop. It would have been nice to have Jesse there actually to be able to ask the questions and kind of divert because he's really, really smart, right? And he plays these word games. And, and then when they catch him, like when you catch him off guard, you can tell because the answer is, I don't know. Because when um, Rand from CryptoBanger asked him specifically about the counterfeiting of tokens, about what BitBoy had reported, how they were making synthetic tokens and then crashing people's prices, he was like, um, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. And that was the best, like, so you can tell when he's prepped for answers and he tries to kind of confuse you. And when you throw him off, his fallback is, oh, I don't know. Uh, you know, send that to me and I'll get back to you. That's how you know when you've got him because he can't give you a response. The other thing that we're looking at is his ego, right? His ego is so big. It's like the, you, you hear about these suspects that commit crimes, right? And you always wonder, well, why the heck do they talk to the police? It's because their egos are so huge is that they believe they can talk themselves out of it, right? Sorry, guys. They believe they hey, can talk Gonzo, themselves out of it. Hey, Gonzo, I just got to point it. out, you are definitely being Johnny Crypto today know, because that right? means you're crushing it. The phone went <laughs> off. We got, we got 220 live <laughs> listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to show you a video from Brian Books, a former advisor for Ripple, talking about the digital revolution that's going on today. But Gonzo, floor is yours. I'm going to kick it to Jackie. No, I'm just going to finish up and say he thinks – you know, he's trying to spin his narrative and he believes he's the most intelligent person in the room. And sometimes he is right. And so he's able to talk and manipulate his way out of it. And so he's able to spin his narrative and he's confident in the way that he's able to communicate. And he thinks he can do that. But when you catch him off guard, the fall to is, oh, I don't know. So that was it. Yeah, I was going to say he's probably been given. I mean, he's whoever's telling him what I mean, he's probably been given definite things that he has that he can and cannot say, you know, especially in public. Um, but Gonzo and I were talking a lot about this um, over a phone call the other day. I think it was last week about how Alameda um, wasn't using any stop losses because they couldn't lose, you know, when they were doing their leveraging and things like that. It's just crazy. But I just wanted to point out in that interview, it was just very it was a little comical. I mean, he said you know, do you know this? And, and then, yeah, his immediate was response was, I don't know what people know, you know? And he was like, well, he was asking if you know, not what other people know, what you know, you know? So I definitely um, agree with that. He's probably been given very definite things to say and things that he can't say um, in light of all of this right now. hundred percent. And one of our listeners actually comment, he's been coached. His, his mom was a Stanford professor in law and was one actually connected to Gary Gensler, but we're not going to get into that right now. NFT tones. I'd like to get some closing remarks before we dive into our ripple content for today. Cause not only are we going to show our listeners a video from a lead developer at ripple talking about the CBDCs being developed behind the scenes, but we're also going to dive into some carbon credit news. So what do you think about Sam Bankman fried? Cause you know, you guys got the same haircut. No, take it easy. Take it easy. I just came on to tell you what SBF stands for, and it's scumbag Friedman. That's all I wanted to say. And now I'm done. Someone said someone said he 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 was great in Saved by the Bell, and that's hilarious that he actually does look like that character. I've never made that connection. That was really funny though. I haven't seen that show, so I can't speak to that. I'll have to pull it up. Screech. Gonna... You're talking. You're talking about Screech. He's the character. <laughs> Dustin Diamond played Screech. Yeah. Very interesting. So guys, we're going to let this video play right here about Brian Brooks talking about the digital revolution that's underway and how whenever there's a monetary conversation, things get uncomfortable. So we're going to let this short clip play and go back to the group. Here we go. Why is crypto so controversial? Why does so many people hate it? Why does, you know, Senator Warren give talks about the shadowy super coders who are fleecing Americans and this and that? It's because money has always been controversial. And what we're doing here is we're creating a new system of money. And that is always going to be culturally controversial. 
you have to have the courage of what you're building here. Money is the foundation on which we all generate wealth. And I really think that's going to set the tone for the remainder of our episode, Gonzo, because when we talk about a digital revolution that's underway, they have no choice but to adopt. And Brian Brooks is somebody who understands that more than anyone else, as he was an advisor for Ripple for several years before becoming the head of the OCC or the Comptroller of Currency, some very, very high up position in the U.S. government that I can't remember off the top of my head. I just want to get two comments from you here because... We talk about a digital revolution and the ISO compliance coming into play, but one of the reasons that the banks have been so adamant about the negativity around cryptocurrency is because they make money from transferring dollars, right? So every time JP Morgan transfers money from America to England, they take a 17% rate. If you're going to do the same thing in the cryptocurrency market, you can do it for a fraction of a penny. And Brian Brooks really indicated why many banks have been so critical. I just want to give you the floor to talk about adoption here. This is an example of what's taking place. How do you think the banks inevitably react? Um, I, I think we're seeing it play out, right? With the lawsuit of Ripple, I, I, they're, they're stalling this thing out, right? I think so, so they could, I think they were behind the eight ball because like what, you know, we've talked about before is first they laugh at us, right? Where they thought it was the, or the internet money, like Yusko makes comments about your funny money or whatever that was. They didn't take it serious. And so once they realized that this was the future and this was something serious, they needed to slow the mechanism down so they can catch up and so they can find a way to make up that money, right? Because you're right, they make a lot of money in, in, in those transfer fees. So now they have to find a different way to make money, right? And I, I believe that's what they're doing. I believe that's what the SEC uh, Ripple lawsuit was all. It was to slow everything down to let these guys catch up, right? Because we know that's where we're transitioning to. But, you know, I'm not a bank expert, but trust me, they're going to find a way to make money. And it's usually like what we talk about. They're going to custody your crypto, right? We've already seen the story with JPM where they're creating a digital dollar, right? And, and, and Coach JV has been talking about this for the last like two years that your banks are going to custody your crypto. They're going to say, hey, you know, put your, uh, you know, we're safe. We're the bank. You know, you've had your accounts with us for whatever many years. Now you can put your crypto on here and they're going to use your crypto to do different things. And that's how they're going to make money. Jackie, do you have any closing remarks here? Because we're about to dive into a video about how Mark Yusko said users dislike XRP and Cardano. I'd love to get some thoughts from you before we dive into that. Yeah, just really quick. This reminds me. I don't know. I, I like to look at things as kind of a macro uh, perspective sometimes of like human psychology a little bit. You know, humans just don't like change. You know, we get comfortable. We talk about this a ton in the academy. JV talks about it. Um, Coach JV talks about it a lot. We don't like to change. We like to stay in our box. We like to stay comfortable and change. Um, you know, that's when you hit that resistance point. Anytime you're trying to shift something forward, whether it be like progression in technology, whether it be just you yourself going to the gym, whatever, you know, um, when you're trying to make a change and it, you know, you're hitting resistance and it's, it's uncomfortable. People don't like to do it. So when it's something huge like this, like our financial system, people are like, Oh, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to change my account here. You know, it's just, it's a lot, it's a daunting task. And so I, I like, I can totally understand. And it's interesting because when we just had, um, we just had a guest on the non-fungible show on Wednesday, Mr. Xbox. He's awesome, guys. Uh, check him out if you didn't watch that episode. But I want to say this really quick. He um, he was on and he was actually into XRP back in 2016. And he talked about when he first got into cryptocurrency, nobody freaking cared what it was. They weren't looking at what it did, what it was. They weren't looking at anything. They just saw that it was going up. And a lot of people that got into crypto, you know, in 2020 were doing the same thing. Uh, but we were much more progressed um, as far as like utility and cryptocurrency at that point uh, versus 2016, you know, four years. They've had a lot to do since then. But to hear his perspective of, you know, it was just a coin with a name at that point. And then to now, you know, now we're talking about uh, central bank digital currencies. We're talking about all of this utility that comes um, changing the whole financial infrastructure, you know, of the systems that we know, even education, voting, everything, you know. So this technology, the advancement from 2016 to now, it's coming, you know, they're now now they're tying utility to something that was just a name before. So the progression that we've already made is huge. Um, but yeah, I just want people to kind of not lose sight of that. I know we talk about macro perspective all the time, but that's just, that was an interesting take to hear it from somebody who was there at that time. It's a fascinating point, Jackie. And one of the biggest criticisms that Mark Yusko had for XRP was that it's a centralized currency, but Gonzo brought up something very interesting, which is that Solana 
is also in the exact same way centralized. So we can dive into that later in the episode. But we got the Italian stallion who just popped in the building, Mr. Johnny Crypto, rocking the Merlin gear. Thank you for making time for us today. Happy to see you. How are you feeling? Well, first of all, I wanted to come and wish my daughter, I mean, Jackie, a happy birthday. So Jackie, happy birthday, Mr. Yesterday. Uh, and, and, and I wanted to, uh, you know, sorry, you, you, you pulled me out of bed with the Sam Bank. For, you know, he's got a new name now. His new name is S-A-B-F, Sam Amnesia Bankman Friedman, because God was right. I was listening to that thing yesterday, and all he could do was remember nothing. I can't remember this. I can't remember that. I forgot this. I forgot that. This freaking guy forgets everything. Of course he forgets everything. He's a lying crook criminal. Wait, let me get it. Remember remember where he is. Put him over here. Uh, he, he breaks the actual scale. He's such a lot. Actually, I'm going to add an L to this. He's a lion rat snake weasel. He's he's just off the charts. You know, if you're going to come out and you're going to bullshit people and you're lying, every answer is going to be, I don't remember this. I don't recall that. Why even get on TV? Why do these interviews? Just save us all the grief and the worry and the headaches. It's just, it's not even worth it. But yeah, he's got amnesia now. So anyway, I just want to pop in and say hello. Great to see you guys. It's Gonzo. You nailed it right on, by the way. I appreciate you and thanks for coming. But yeah, man, it is uh he's just a rat snake weasel beyond the definition of rat snake weasel. And uh, but yeah, it's all right. That's Thank you, Johnny. And the US Department of Justice agrees with you as they demanded a fraud investigation into FTX yesterday, claiming there was substantial evidence that Sam Bankman Fried and other managers engaged in fraudulent conduct. And I'm sure that has to do with some of the interviews he gave, but I want to get your opinion on this as your good friend Mark Yusko actually criticized some of our favorite tokens yesterday. So he said users dislike XRP and Cardano, says Morgan Creek's Mark Yusko. What's really interesting is he also said Shiba Inu is going to die in this article. So Mark Yusko, the chief executive officer at Morgan Creek Capital, said that Cardano and XRP are similar because developers and users don't seem to love them despite their popularity. That one Cardano, it reminds me of XRP. People love it, but the developers and users don't seem to love it. That's part why I don't really get. Yusko claims that he wouldn't go as far as comparing XRP and ADA to meme coins such as Doge and Shiba Inu and that these popular canine cryptocurrencies, they must go to zero. Mark Yusko also said that Morgan Creek's cryptocurrency index fund didn't include XRP because the cryptocurrency was too healthily clothed. That basically means he believed that the cryptocurrency was centralized by Ripple Labs. Uh, Morgan Creek also has an index fund, which 2.2% of their allocation has a stake in ADA, which is their third largest currency behind Bitcoin and Ethereum. So Johnny, while you're here, I'd love to get some thoughts from you. Not only did he call XRP centralized, and we can debate that a little bit, but the fact that he believes in Solana, he believes in AVAX, many of these other currencies have the same validating process. What do you think about these bold statements that XRP and ADA are disliked by developers? Well, I think the good news is Mark's going to be on next week. He's our guest on Wednesday, so we can actually bring this article up. But the reality is Mark has not um, been... Um, He's been very consistent with this, right? When we had him on our show, he told us, you know, my group looked at, you know, he's got a group of people that go out and evaluate and assess all these holdings. And if anything is all held, I think over 50%, they got some criteria. And at the time, their their data showed them that uh, Ripple was holding, I think, 50% of XRP. Granted, I think it was an escrow, but the reality is it was over that threshold. And so they, you know, listen, they're right. They have a right to their opinion. And the fact that they do their due diligence, unlike... Sam Amnesia Bankman Friedman, Fraudman, Mini Mini Madoff doesn't do any research or anything, right? Allowing money to be moved everywhere and, and then given back and create a Ponzi scheme. At least Mark's not doing that. These guys are doing their homework. You know, they run a successful hedge fund and those they have certain criteria for risk and it didn't meet their risk criteria. So they chose not to do it. You know, and Mark would be the first one to tell you he doesn't necessarily know how XRP works or Ripple, it didn't, didn't do the research because at the end of the day, it didn't meet the criteria. It's not something that's on the top of his list. So, you know, more power to him and what he believes is the right or wrong thing to do, but he's entitled to do that, Abs. 100%. Gonzo, I'm not sure if you had any comments there. If not, we're about to play a video from yeah. a Ripple developer explaining exactly how it could not be possible for XRP to have two separate values. Before we do that, what are some of your comments? Yeah, I actually saw the interview with Allcoin Daily. So, um, you know, they, they take some of the, the snippets, you know, out of the interview and they put it in an article so that people read it. Um, a little bit taken out of context, like the way the question was set up. And like Johnny said, he, he has been consistent. I think it's a matter of that, you know, 
he just doesn't understand how XRP, like the tech works. He hasn't done the research. And he's told us that, like, he just doesn't, hadn't done the research. Um, you know, and when they were talking about, like, what he thought was going to signify the bear market is, like, that Doge going to zero and, you know, Shiba Inu. He thinks that they're complete shit coins. Um, the, the reason that XRP and Cardano got brought up in that kind of same context was because of the community, right? They talked about that they have these communities and that it reminds them of XRP and Cardano because they have very strong communities, but he just doesn't see the development. The, the thing that we could talk about him next week is, you know, he, he has that understanding of XRP being very centralized because of the escrow account, but it's really, and, and, and it's really no different. And Abs and I were talking about this before the show than Solana, right? If you look at the Masari score, um, the reason it has the score it does is because there's a lot of venture capital that hold a lot of the Solana token, which kind of makes it centralized. We can see how that's playing out right now because a big holder of it is Alameda and FTX, and you can see how it's affected the price, right? And so I much would rather trust Ripple, the company, and what they do with the escrow account than what we're seeing with FTX and Alameda, right? Um, but yeah, so those are my two cents. Johnny, one other quick comment I had is that regardless of his criticisms of ADA, he's still, they're holding 2.2% of their entire index fund in that cryptocurrency, which may not sound like a lot, but it's the third largest token behind Bitcoin and Ethereum. Why do you think he's being critical yet investing in the project? You know, I mean, it's one of those things, <laughs> who knows if he knows exactly how much he's investing. He's probably got a team of people investing in it. And, you know, and I don't think he's knocking it per se to the extent where we're saying it's not a, a technology that doesn't have a leg. I mean, he's just saying there that, you know, at the end of the day, developers, I think you said what developers don't like it. So, and I've heard the same thing that a lot of developers have complained about the language and the type that they've chosen to use. So there may be some truth there. We know a year ago in GitHub, it was the number one chosen developer form uh, uh, pr uh, protocol. And maybe it's one of those things where people are using it and don't like it. And maybe that's why it hasn't caught ground. Who knows? I guess we'll have to wait to see another year or so where it goes. Johnny, we're about to break or dive into our breaking news for today as there was a ton of rumors going on yesterday about XRP having a public ledger and a private ledger because we've seen glitches on exchanges where we have XRP price showing $9,000, $10,000, even as high as $100,000. A lot of people have drawn the conclusion that there's massive amounts of liquidity running behind the scenes, and I think that's just a little bit of optimism. So we went and found a video from a Ripple developer, Matt Hamilton, who worked very, very closely with David Schwartz. He explains how a central bank digital currency ledger would have to operate on the XRPL. There's no way that they could have different values. So we're going to let this short clip play. It's about three minutes. Anybody in the group who wants to talk, just give me a thumbs up. I'll pause the video. Here we go. Uh, please, Matt, as an ex-Ripple intern. Well, he's not an intern. He's an ex-Ripple employee. <laughs> he's taking a piss on us I know he is, but I'm like, I'm just, <laughs> people listening don't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you once, can you for once and for all explain to the people who don't know how things work that there is no parallel to the XRP ledger. Yeah, yeah. So there's this, there's this theme that's been going on for a long time about a private ledger with some mystical XRP that is valued, some high value, perhaps $589 or whatever it is. I think it's gone up now. It's like tens of thousands of people seem to be talking about that, um, you know, some mystical XRP that is that is not for ordinary plebs like uh, your eye chip, but uh, for for the elite lizard people, whoever, whatever, that are, that are running the world, right? Um, and there's this secret ledger. And it's 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 complete nonsense on on several kind of levels so one is the way in which prices work and the way in which so you've got technically hundreds of private ledgers out there because every single centralized exchange is a private ledger right in and of itself it doesn't run xrp ledger software but it is a private ledger right now whether that's coinbase or binance or kraken or Gemini or whoever, I mean, half those don't list XRP, but anyway, you know, whichever these centralized exchanges are, they all have built in some kind of ledger that says, Matt has this much XRP, Chip has this much XRP, right? And you can buy and sell on their exchange, and the price on one exchange will be slightly different to a price on another exchange, or slightly different to a price on, on the XRP ledger decks or whatever. <clears throat> but they're, they're, they're kind of brought about in check by the act of arbitrage. And that is the fact that if there's a high price on one exchange, somebody will sell on that exchange and then take the asset to another exchange or take the, the, the profit to another exchange and buy again back there, right? 
So if I just want to point out, that's how Sam Bankman Fried made his first couple billions of dollars. What he was doing is he was taking off a Japanese exchange and then transferring it to a European exchange, collecting the, the margins and then, and then just doing that repeatedly. So I don't know if anybody else has comments. Johnny, did you have a quick comment or should I play the remainder of this video? Got it. So we're going to dive into the remainder of this clip. Here we go. XRP is a dollar on one exchange. Um, I sell $100 worth of XRP. I have my $100. I take that to another exchange where it's 50 cents. And for that, I can buy 200 XRP. So I've turned my 100 XRP into 200 XRP by going between exchanges. But the act of doing that brings the prices back in line, right? By doing this arbitrage, you, you, you effectively equalize the prices between the two exchanges. And so the first few people that do this arbitrage may make some money, and then it, it kind of equalizes out over time. So you've got to be kind of quick on that. But that's what brings the prices in line. So this whole idea of some kind of private ledger that has some insanely high-valued XRP on it just makes no sense because say there's some XRP on there that's, that's worth whatever, $1,000, right? Who's going to buy that XRP for $1,000? Because I could go buy XRP for 50 cents or for whatever it is, 40 cents right now, somewhere else. And this is an argument that me and Johnny have had a thousand times. They can't have a private ledger with XRP having some massive value when it's 30 cents on Coinbase or 30 cents on Uphold. It just doesn't make any sense. But Gonzo, I'd love to give you the floor. We got 258 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got the Italian stallion in the building. But Gonzo, we're kicking it to you. What do you think about this developer exposing the truth around the XRPL? Yeah, I agree with them 100%. David Schwartz has come out and said the same thing, right? It's arbitrage, right? And And – there's always ways to exploit systems. They create bots and stuff like that. So it's something that wouldn't hold. Like he's saying, like you wouldn't have people that are buying XRP, whether it's a bank or whatever entity for a thousand dollars when you can buy it for 30 cents. Right. And that arbitrage would eventually like null itself out. So um, I think it's kind of like just one of these like urban legends that, that we hear about, but because of arbitrage, um, it's not a real thing, but I got to go guys. I love you guys. I, I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much, Gonzo. Always appreciate when you stop by. Johnny, that was a fascinating video, and I'd love to get some thoughts from you before we kick it to Jackie. One of the hopium misconceptions behind XRP is that there is some private ledger running in the background where all the 50-cent XRP we own is actually worth $589 or even higher. I'd love for you to just break some of the misconceptions out. That Ripple developer has been extremely helpful when it comes to getting truthful information on the XRPL. So for him to bring these claims, it's reassuring. What does it mean to you, Johnny? Yeah, I think that the thought was people felt there'd be a private and a public ledger that obviously, as people have said, where one is going to be used by the, 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 the system and one is going to be, you know, dropped to, to everybody else that we hold the hold the bag and it's worth nothing. So hopefully you heard right from the horse's mouth. I always love hearing right from the horse's mouth. People design these things, you know, literally telling you that's not going to happen. Uh, it's not designed to work that way. It's, there's going to be one price. That's it. It's just going to be one system. One XRP price and, uh, and and the blockchain behind. It. I think what you have to understand though is that Ripple makes a bunch of products, and the product themselves, the blockchain product, the technology, <clears throat> is what matters. What's going to be adopted and used. XRP is just the coin, or you know, the the <clears throat> that will be used on on potentially the ODL and other use cases. So we'll see how those two things come together in the future. That's really what I'm looking to see how that works out in the long run. But yeah, hopefully this puts everybody's thought to rest that there'll be a private version of 10 K and then the standard version of 30 cents. That's not going to happen. Jackie, I'm sure we'd all like to hear that XRP was secretly worth $10,000, but we got some really bold claims a couple weeks ago when Ripple held a swelled event focused on the future of finance. We had speakers from Bank of America, MasterCard, Amazon Web Services there. And we're about to show a video today of MasterCard CEO talking about how the financial system is going through a growth process that could take several years, or we could have a C-19 crisis that could accelerate that adoption. I'd love to get some thoughts from you about the private ledger XRPL information, and then we'll dive into this clip. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's good that, you know, we, you know, just like Johnny said, getting it straight from the source to calm all those those uh, misconceptions and things like that. And with a new technology too, you know, things get spread around. This happens all the time. Like it starts, a, a rumor starts somewhere and then it spreads to the masses through Twitter or whatever, you know. So it is good to get clarity on that. Um, but 
again, it's, it's just such a infantile space that it's going to happen and it'll probably continue to happen as, as we open up with more technology and things. Uh, NFT Tones, you're going to love this next video we have prepared because not only are we going to show our listeners a video of the new brain technology that Elon Musk is developing, we're going to focus on universal basic income because ISO compliance is going to be pivotal in distributing central bank digital currencies technology. And Elon Musk is actually hinting at this during an interview from 2019. So I'm going to let the short clip play and then we'll go to Tones. Here we go. There are fewer jobs that a robot cannot do better. What to do about mass unemployment? This is going to be a massive social challenge. Um, and I think ultimately we will have to have some kind of universal basic income. I don't think we're going to have a choice. Universal basic income. And we actually showed a clip yesterday, Tones, of Joe Rogan addressing the same thing, stating that universal basic income is going to become a necessity due to the fact that AI is replacing many essential jobs today. So one of the things that catches my attention is that we're developing ISO protocols and central bank digital currencies at the exact same time we are having AI replace everyday jobs. So I'd love to get some thoughts from you. Do you believe that Elon Musk is low-key, secretly, an advocate of many of these real cryptocurrencies, even though he's only talked about Dogecoin and Shiba Inu for the past 12 months? All right. So, yeah, I definitely do think he's definitely an advocate of more of these coins, even though he's only been pump pumping these shit coins. I feel like he's definitely a... Uh, he definitely supports crypto. But what I definitely find interesting is that he definitely thinks that there is a need for UBI in the future. And I mean, it goes to say like that they're trying to tell us like they're slowly trying to work our work it into our minds that we need a UBI in the future because of what this technology is doing. And in the long run, it could make us very lazy, but it could also help a lot of people too. But it depends on what really happens. I mean, I see Johnny shaking his head. So, I mean, it, it really depends like how this really works and stuff. I mean, it's kind of scary to think about because like one wrong move and your income could be gone for that week or day or whatnot. So, I mean, it's really, really interesting and it's kind of scary. You know, you've just all been subliminally programmed. It's been happening. You got your answer about Elon. You're wondering if he's on your side or not. You got your answer now. Joe Rogan, same thing. Anybody who's talking about it, you got your answer. So there you go. UBI is not a good thing. You guys were talking about it yesterday. Almost made me get out of bed yesterday about it. It's not a good thing. And encouraging people to sit at home and do nothing is basically killing innovation. Creativity will be gone. Imagine the future generation of these kids like Jackie and NFT tones and, and abs, all you guys in your generation, even the young, young generation below you coming up. And some of you are going to be inventors. You're going to be CEOs. You're going to be very, very, you know, influential people. But yet if you're being set to pay, paid to sit at home and do nothing, that potential is never going to come to fruition. Right. And so there is the problem is you're basically trading off your freedom and your, your potential, uh, future growth for pennies on the dollar. What do you think they're going to give you? They're going to give you 100K to send home? I'm going to give you a peanut. And if they did, that 100K would become worthless, worthless over time. So money's going to become worthless. You can't, what, if you're going to give universal basic income away, where's it coming from? It don't work that way. You're going to print more money? So great, you're going to print more money, which is going to drop the value of the money you're going to give people. It's just, it's just, it's, it makes zero sense. But the reality is, ain't goddamn thing you can do about it. It's coming. You hear everybody talking about it. They're already telling you. It's already being pre-programmed. So get ready for it. And a damn thing you're going to do to stop it. However, what we talk about here is how do you do to put yourself in a position to benefit off it? That's what we need to do. And somebody said, what do we do about mass unemployment? And Jeremy had a great discussion about this yesterday. There needs to be a re-education re process for everybody in this market. A lot of the traditional jobs are going to become outdated. You're not going to have an opportunity to flip burgers or drive a truck anymore. You're going to have to have a real set of skills, a set of tangible skills that you can provide to society. And that might make things more difficult for a lot of people. But we got 271 live listeners. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're showing you a really interesting image right now. It says, this is the old treasury note before the Federal Reserve took over. And if you look at the back of the dollar bill, Johnny, what is that? That's a massive X right on the back of the dollar bill. We always talk about XRP, XLM, and all of these protocols that are going to transfer money cross-border. Crypto Erie brought up something very interesting. 
X is the universal symbol for cross-border payments, and it has been for thousands of years. And this is another example of a former U.S. Treasury note showing that, but I don't think it's a coincidence that XRP and XLM, well, they're going to be some of the most prominent cryptocurrencies in our future. So, Johnny, we're going to you, and then Jackie, what do you think? Well, I'm not so sure they were thinking about digital currency in the 1800s or whatever this was done. I'm not so sure that X correlates to this X. No, no, no. That's not, that, that wasn't my thing. What I was saying I, is that- I know. In the past, like for thousands of years, cross-border payments have been symbolized through the letter X. And in the past, the U.S. dollar had an X on the back of the bill. When the Federal Reserve took over, they removed that X and they replaced it with a pyramid. So I think it's very indicating of how our financial system works. Am I right? And the X marks the spot for the treasure chest. Yes, that's what I remember. I always remember making playing games in the backyard and have a, chest, a map we'd make up and X marked the spot. You're absolutely right, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it, you know, there's a, lot of th there's a lot of things that's interesting about this dollar, right? You don't see the pyramid or, or the eye. I mean, personally, Roto, I mean, I thought this was really interesting. I'd never seen a dollar like this before. And for me to look at this dollar bill and see all of the different changes. I mean, look at this big blank area here. They oh, yeah. filled our new dollar bill in with all different types of symbology. And I don't know. I just felt like I should show our listeners. I, I agree with you, Abs. Like, I mean, if you if you think about anybody who's starting a business or a company, you know, they want the name to be lasting and they actually want the name to have a connection with something, you know, for people to resonate and relate with. Right. So, I mean, if you talk about Merlin, for example, how did we come up with the name Merlin? Um, you want to know? Right. No, I know. I know. I, I was waiting for Johnny to jump in and be like, oh, okay. But yeah, for oh, the, the, the connection Abs is making, I 100% I think that they're, you know, thinking about Ripple and XRP. And, you know, every time we hear the word Ripple now, you know, every every follower of XRP is like, Ripple, what? You know, when if someone's just talking about water or something. So it's it it, it drives connection. NFT Jones, you got any quick comments for us here? We're showing the dollar bill from 1933, sorry, 1913, before the Federal Reserve took over. Lots of symbolic changes. What's it mean to you, my friend? Yo, sorry, I was distracted by the World Cup real quick. But um, yeah, no, this is definitely symbolic. I definitely think this is interesting because an X back then and the X now it, with it being cross-border payment, I don't think it meant anything, but I feel like they're kind of trying to keep like the trend going. So I wouldn't be surprised if the X low key does mean something. And so I, I would definitely, I feel like the XRP in the X back then, I feel like it definitely means something. Johnny, and you're going to love this document here is we got some really interesting news revealed from Infit Acquisitions. They had an SEC registration from just yesterday that described Tranglo using customers XRP for cross-border payments. They said it's steadily increasing, but regulation could cause severe damage to their business. They also stated that XRP could jeopardize their profits due to a loss in profit from cross-border payments. And this is something we've addressed many times on our channel. JP Morgan makes trillions of dollars every single year from transferring money cross-border. And they're not going to go down without a fight. Even though XRP solves this problem, this is a clear example of a company worried about how the SEC is going to react to the solution they've created to JP Morgan's corruption. So I'd like to get some really thought, really quick thoughts from you. What do you think about them acknowledging many of the banks are losing money even though this is a solution? Well, I mean, we talked about that. We, I mean, in terms of the replacement of the system, this is a much lower cost system and it's a much uh, more efficient system and it'll cost nothing. So thank you, Nate. Love you, man. Love all the, by the way, I didn't get a chance to say good morning. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. And thank you for all the, the healing and love uh, vibrational <clears throat> messages. I really appreciate you guys. I'm definitely feeling a lot better today than yesterday, but. Um, you know, in terms of this abs, we know that, like you said, JP Morgan, all the banks make 18%. And when you do a system like this, the cost of this system is low. The, 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 the cost to the, to the JP Morgans of the world, right now, are they going to sacrifice their 18%? Hell nah. They're not giving that up. This is just going to be more money in their pockets because imagine if the cost, we'll play it in percentages just to keep it simple. Let's say today the cost to send cross-border money payment overseas is like 3%, and they're making 18 then they're keeping a 15% profit, right? Pretty simple math. Now, when you take something like XRP, and the cost is like less than a percent, and you still charge 18%, now you make 17.999% instead of 15%. They're going to actually make more money. 
unless they decide that they're going to take a little money off it. But I, I don't see it. I don't see it happening whatsoever. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the whole thing plays out. We'll see what happens there. But I, I personally think you're going to see, uh, <coughs> I think you're going to see, they're not going to want to give up their profits. Johnny, get a sip of water, my friend, because we're about to sit back and watch a very interesting clip from a MasterCard. Sorry, this guy was the head of FinTech at MasterCard. He said there will be different ways of making payments, but it will take some time. Or maybe there will be a world-changing event that accelerates this adoption. So this is a 60-second clip, and we're going back to the group, starting with Jackie. Here we go. Different ways of making payments. So open banking, digital, they're clearly going to have a big impact. Um, but maybe not in the way we see. I, I think the most difficult st final step for them to reach is, is where the real scale is, which is I'm a consumer. I'm buying something from you as a retailer. There are adjacent payment spaces, B2B particularly, which I think is probably more naturally open to different types of NFC payments. I think it will be a little while before we see fundamental change in retail payments. I mean, maybe the first thing we might see in the next couple of years is just that process of actually, you know, typing a 16-digit card number is going to start going away. There's going to be different ways of doing that, which I think will be welcome to everybody, right? Nobody wants to do that anymore. Um, functionally, it works. It's not the best experience, so it will change. Um, other than that, I think <coughs> there'll be some, it'll take some time. <laughs> Maybe there'll be another world-changing event that accelerates it, right? I mean, hopefully we'll have a couple of years yeah, off yeah. before that. <laughs> Jackie, I'd love to get some thoughts from you there. We talk about this all the time. Everybody knows we're going through a digital revolution, but to hear some of the largest companies on the planet talk about how it's a necessity, it's pretty reassuring for people like us. One of the things he said that really stuck out to me is that MasterCard currently has a monopoly on global payments. They're getting 3% of almost every credit card swipe on the planet. And it seems like they already understand that's going away. He, he addressed that here. I'd love to get some thoughts from you. We know that MasterCard spoke at the Ripple Swell event. We had Bank of America there. We had Amazon Web Services there. All of these companies seem to at least be open to the idea of leveraging Ripple's technology. What does it mean to you that he's indicating that, you know, they're going through a digital transformation and we're drawing the Ripple connections? Yeah, I mean, and these companies are smart. They're obviously looking for ways for, you know, for longevity. They need, they see that this is coming. And so that's why they're probably attending events at a lot of different, um, you know, besides Ripple, just to see what type of technology they want to integrate. Um, so that is good. One thing that I did find really interesting that he pointed out was uh, the retail, you know, transfer of payment peer to peer. Um he, you know, he said that that would take a lot longer, which is completely true. I definitely agree with that fact. Um, you know, people, people, and it, it goes right back to the point that we always make on here. People don't want to be responsible. You know, they, so many people are just going to, you know, when they come out, when they roll out this new financial infrastructure, they're just going to jump on board just because, you know, they're sheep, they listen, right They They do what they're told. Um, and so, you know, once MasterCard and all these all these big companies do switch over, um, you know, people are just going to follow. But peer to peer, that's where it's actually going to be. People are going to be looking into, you know, you're going to have to do a little work to actually um, use the technology for yourself or or find which one you're you're going to utilize um, peer to peer, things like that. So I agree with that. Thank you, Jackie. And Johnny, what, I, what this reminds me of, and I'm trying to pull this article up in the background for our listeners, is how Bank of America just last week said that when the SEC lawsuit's over, they are ready to leverage Ripple Net's liquidity. And that's very exciting, not only for people who... Ooh. Wait, I didn't say XRP. I said Ripple Net, though. So I wanted to give you the floor there. What do you yeah. think about that? They're leveraging Ripple Net. You can put any asset on Ripple Net, but we know Ripple Labs is incentivized to use XRP. Yeah, well, so if you need time to go look that up, let me know. I can give you 60 seconds if you want. <laughs> um sure go ahead all right well let's find the smartest way to track your crypto folks have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watch your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits if so it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan the good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called merlin it's the smartest way to track your crypto merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen you can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. 
go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for early access for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched this fall. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. All right, guys, and Johnny Crypto had to get that Merlin ad in there. We're going to dive right into our Quant Network connections because this one, Johnny, we're coming right back to you for. I want to get this in before the end of the episode. What we set out to do was really um, shape where the industry should go. And we've taken a very collaborative global approach to this um, by shaping what the standards should be and and establishing different types of standards at different levels within different international organizations. Uh, so they're all worked on collaboratively with, with the industry and they're all agreed with all members and all participants of the industry. Johnny, what I love about this clip here and what he says at the end of it is that Quant Network is not only working with banks around the world, they're working with governments such as London and the United States. And when we look at this man right here, Gilbert Verdian, he worked on the secure... Pa- Secure Payments Task Force for the Federal Reserve back in 2017 while he had already developed Quant Network. So I wanted to play that clip because he said something so important. He said Quant is shaping the way that crypto goes in the future. And I think that's a very bold statement for a token that right now is 30th in the market cap. What's it mean to you, Rado? Yeah, for me, it's like when you have an insider who, who came from an industry, typically the insiders who work there will tend to know where the gaps are, okay? And that's why I've been very, very bullish personally. Whoops, wrong way. I've been very, very bullish on Quant for one for one of the reasons is because, you know, he knows where the holes are. He knows what needs to be filled. He knows where the gaps are. And he's <coughs> and he's filling that gap. He's helping to fill that gap, right? <clears throat> and so somebody else could come from the outside and try to fix the problem, but may not understand it, <clears throat> for example. Excuse me. I need a drink. Oh, man. All right, guys. We're going to roll into our tether clip here because I do want to show you guys this as, as well. As well as Part of our- he- oh, sorry. Oh, we're having a little technical difficulties here. I'm going to let the remainder of this clip play here. This is Tether's co-founder talking about the reason they haven't revealed their reserves yet. This is a very interesting clip. We're going to let this play and end the episode. And with limited transparency, if you do have reserves, why don't you show them? So I'll ask you the question, why don't you? Well, what I can say is in the last eight years of Tether's operating history, they've always redeemed every token for exactly $1. I sold the company in 2000, the end of 2015, and the principals have continued to operate that with, with, in my opinion, to the absolute best of their ability and with the best risk mitigation tactics in the industry. It has withstood the test of time. So, Jackie, the reason he said that Tether doesn't need to reveal their reserves is because they've withstood the test of time. So why should they have to reveal their reserves? It's classic misdirection. I'm going to kick it to you for some comments. Yeah, um, I love that, Johnny. Yeah, yep. Let's adjust the scale there. Yep. (laughs) I, yeah, I agree. You know, if, you know, Coach JV, I love this about the Academy. Coach JV is completely transparent. Um, and you know, if, if in, in a, in a space and time right now, um, exactly where we're going through all of this, why is there no transparency even still, you know, that's, that's the only question I have. So uh, yep. yeah, go ahead. A hundred percent. And when we see what's happening with USDC, we're running into the exact same issues about a question with the reserves, Johnny. I know that we've talked about the tethers impending collapse a million times on this channel, but if we did see a 65 million, sorry, billion dollar bubble collapse, I mean, you talk about a black swan, that would make FTF look like pennies on the dollar. So to close us out for today, what do you think about Tether saying they don't need to reveal their reserves because they've withstood the test of time? Well, uh, first of all, well, I know Tones has a comment, so I'm going to give the floor to him. But I will just say this. If Tether collapses, especially right now while crypto is so weak, that may be (laughs) – that'll destroy crypto. You want to talk about the end of crypto. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. People are going to say, oh, no, crypto's never going away. You're right. But it's going to destroy it. It's going to be it's going to be huge because, I mean, it's already on shaky grounds. The last thing you need is for that to implode because that touch, as you just said, $65 billion. That's a big, big number. That's really going to hurt the entire. You know, I'll tell you what, all the bottoms will be in. That's for sure. The question is, will it recover from that? 
And that's the question. I don't know. We'll have to see. But Tones, you you want you had a comment. The only liquidity that. left will be our money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, not really. All, all, all of us. All I want to say is he said it uh, stood the test of time. I just think that's beeping bullshit because buildings and bridges have st uh, stood longer than Tether has. So I I feel like there is no way you could say it has shown the test of time. They need to show the reserves because this is hella scary, hella sus. It makes me trust Tether even less now because you know what? What the hell are they doing behind behind the scenes? Why don't they want to show the reserves? They exactly. should be showing the that, That's the question to be asked right there. And if you think about Bernie Madoff when he had his thing going, I think Bernie ran his scheme for like 14 years or 10 years or something. It was a long time before it actually fell under. Anywhere within that 14 years, he could have said, hey, we withstood the test of time until the time came out. So, yeah, I this this has me very, very worried, to be honest with you, Abs. The fact that they're afraid to show the reserves just tells you that if there's smoke somewhere, there is definitely fire cooking over there. If it smells like a fish, if it flops like a fish, there's a fish. And, you know, we've been hearing Tether could go down. Who knows? Maybe this is the, the time to see that. Awesome, guys. And we're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to NFT Tones. Thank you to Gonzo. And thank you to Jackie. Another amazing episode. And I'm wishing you guys an amazing Friday. I hope everyone has a great weekend. We're going to close it out the same way we always do. Warriors, rise. I, 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 baby. Thank you for joining us. I found the, the, the true Sam Bank Friedman. Now we know what's going on there. Yes, he is Screech, guys. Now it all makes sense. Happy birthday, happy belated birthday.